0: It's that time again We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of the to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is
1: the Hive Jive. we're just all like talking away over here in the background. We're like, oh, by the way, maybe we should record this. <laughs>
0: well, we're going to talk bees, so we might as well put it on the recording.
1: That's right. It might as well be recorded. So hello, everybody. We're here to talk bees. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How you guys doing?
1: Hopefully, uh, I. so it's it's feast or famine, because on the last recording, we were talking about riding the heat wave. Um, and then a lot of people got a break from the heat rave and now they're riding literally rafts because it went from no rain and dry and hot to so much rain that everything is flooded. So if you or your apiary happens to be in an area that has experienced that, our thoughts are with you and uh, our condolences and we hope that everybody is safe and, uh, for those of you who did not get any rain, we hope that relief is in the way or on the way, but hopefully not in the form that it came for a lot of other people. So yeah, darned if you do, darned if you don't. We could
0: use some of that rain. But yeah, I mean, once you've got like drought or the topsoil is eroded or things like that, then the rain kind of slides out and just kind of washes everything yeah. away. So if it comes down too fast,
1: other- it doesn't soak in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Indeed. So, okay.
1: <laughs> well, so we had uh, the the topic for today is that there is no topic for today. So we'll just get that out of the way right off the bat. So if you're, if you're trying to follow a thread, there won't be one.
0: <laughs> That's right. It's kind of haphazard. But I was asking you about your bees. How are they doing?
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So my bees are both doing well. Um, I have not bothered to really do any type of invasive inspection. I just open up the last few bars on the top bar and peek in. And I can open up the lid on the little nuke that's still attached to it and peek in there. But I haven't physically tried to remove any bars because it's been hot as Hades and I don't want anything breaking and falling. So my look is, does it look like they've expanded? Are they getting closer this direction? And is the comb, for the most part, looking like it's at least going the right direction? That's, that's a bit about the extent of my observations on it. Um, the other Langstroth is literally... Open the lid and crack the inner cover. Look down through the top. Everybody looks like they're doing good. We still got Cap Food Stores up there on the top. Plenty of traffic coming and going. Close it back up again. Super hot. They've got food. I know that they don't need fed. That's my main concern. Otherwise, I'm letting them do their own thing. And I, that's that was three weeks between even doing that. So not like- a lot of hands on anything there.
0: Well we always complain we can't get into our bees in the winter because it's too cold but actually we can't really get into our bees in the summer either um and I like that you're spacing it out so much and you're not invasive in your inspections because that is very stressful anytime there's extremes in temperatures um it's always it's always going to take a toll and what for anyway right you know right. you've got a queen you know you got food what else do you need to look at right,
1: right. And that is something that I think we so I I put a post out there for the Hive Jive on Instagram and Facebook as a reminder about this time of year and the heat and the dearth. And I think I don't remember, but I think you and I may have mentioned it in the last episode or the one prior to that. Um, but again, it is uber hot. And we we talked about the whole queen issues and things like that and the heat and stuff. So you may not have signs of brood and eggs because it's super hot doesn't mean you lost your queen your bees may be a little bit more defensive than they normally would be because there's no food in the environment and therefore what food stores they have is invaluable and they will protect it at all costs so just give them a little bit of time give them some space give them some grace and when the rains come the heat wave breaks and the nectar starts to flow again they will revert back to their normal, mostly docile selves.
0: Right. Depending on how you approach them. That's true. (laughs) That's true.
1: As long as you don't smack the hive, go in without smoke, be a little bit overly cavalier, you know, they should return to whatever their status quo is. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, well, I mean, at least that gives you more time for yourself to prep for the next uh, big amount of work, right? This always a cycle.
1: That's true that and 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 if you're just focusing on beekeeping, then this is a time where you can be, well, it's kind of hard to say this in the winter, you know, like you've got that extreme either way. But in the winter time, it's a good time to be prepping the materials and the hives and things for the next season, doing some building and stuff like that. But I know personally myself, all of my building stuff is outside, and it's hot and humid out there. So I really don't want to be outside running the saw. <laughs> so. But it is a good time when there is that dearth and there's not a lot going on. It is a good time to be prepping, planning and doing what you can. Otherwise, if you happen to be luxury enough, luxury. If you happen to have the luxury, or if you are luxurious enough, <laughs> try to put those two things together, um, to have a massive air-conditioned shed or shop that you can work in, then more power to you.
0: <laughs> Everybody wants one of those.
1: <laughs> right. My chickens would like one of those at this point. I, I walk out there and they're like, <gasps> well,
0: That reminds me working in the school bus, the old school bus with no yeah. a- and cutting wood because that was my workshop there for a while that's right and, and doing that in the summer and being covered in sawdust and and just got, because you're sweating everything yeah. to you. it was just fun
1: so you open that- all the windows and pray for a breeze
0: hasn't <laughs> ever happened either <laughs> not in texas
1: not in texas that's like that triple layered ventilated suit it does breathe and when a breeze comes through you can feel it and it has a cooling effect the problem is there's so few and far between
0: (laughs) you cook in there until you get a little tiny breeze that's gonna come and and makes you wish it's just there to make you wish there were more it doesn't really much
1: (laughs) yeah it's all psychological at that point you just have to psych yourself out So we had a listener write in and send us a video and I just I found it kind of interesting. I'm not going to actually put the video in the comments because it it honestly does not explain anything. Um, It's just showing somebody using one of the cheap low end budget plastic two frame tangential extractors to extract honey from a top bar comb. And they make the mention that they had to do some modifications, but they don't go in and say what those modifications were. And so, you know, it it could have been that the little plastic basket had to have been increased in size to fit the width or the height, but they don't mention that. Um, The key takeaways from it, though, was the, the listener wanted to know, I've heard everybody say that it's impossible to go through and do this and that it's really hard to have this. If you're going to do it, you got to do cut comb or crush, crush and strain. Um, But here's this individual doing it. I'm an engineer. Surely I could figure this out if they could make it work. And so the highlights from the video basically are the simple fact that one, and this is the biggest thing that needs to be known up front. This was happening in the off season, possibly coming out of winter at the beginning of spring, because he mentions he took the bar out of the colony put it up on the mantle for a couple of days to come up to room temperature. Mm-hmm. So that right there means that the wax already has a lot more rigidity to it. And it's a lot firmer than it would be if I walked outside right now where it's 97 degrees and took a comb out of there, it's going to break and go splat. So the wax as it's hot, is very malleable and can be damaged very easily when it's cold or cool. Let me put it this way. When it's cool, it can hold up to a little bit more, but if it's cold, it becomes brittle and can break very easily. So you got to find a happy medium in there. But the they took one of the rolling uncappers that just punctures the cappings and very gently went across the capped cells. And then once both sides were done, they put it in there and they turned it very slowly and very steadily And you will have to have a lot of patience because you're going to have to do this for a long time. And you flip flop, you take it out, you got to flip it around so that it does the other side, make sure that the holes are lined up so that when you're spinning it, you're actually forcing it out and not deeper into the cell, Um, all these little things. So the, the boil point of this, the boiling it all down is basically the simple fact that is it impossible? No. Can you do it? Sure. Is it simple? Put it in and walk away? No. (laughs) Like how badly do you really want that honey from that comb and want to be able to keep the comb for the bees? Um, you know, it it becomes kind of tricky there in some regard, but yeah, it was just one of those things where did you have time to actually look at it to see it?
0: Yeah. I actually watched that video years ago uh, because I, I wanted to do that and I did try to do that and it it works on older comb and just kind of like uncap the, 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 the comb on the bar and you pop it into that tangential extractor two at a time and you start slow and you have to go. This is something that um, for the longest time I had not realized is that there's a, a, a way to spin the tangential. We have a two frame for the club. And, but if you spin it the other way around to your point, you're actually pushing back the honey back into the cells. Those cells are slanted towards the midrib going downward. And um, when you're uh, spinning towards the uh, bar, you're actually pushing the honey back into the cell. If you're pushing, if you're spinning away from the bar, then that honey is gonna get slung towards the bar and onto the wall of the extractor. That doesn't work with fresh, obviously, uncured wax, uh, especially if it's had, uh, if it's never had any cocoons, but mostly, uh, to your point, when it's hotter, when it's fresher, when it's heavier, all that is going to come into play and make it harder and harder for you to do so, which means you're going to have to be more and more delicate. And I doubt that you can do that in Texas heat with fresh comb. No. Right? No, and
1: but... You brought up a good point, too, about the cocoons. So... He did specifically state that that was an older comb. They had overwintered in it. And you could tell by the coloration of it that it was darker, meaning that they had raised brood cycles in there. And every time that bee emerges, she lives that chrysalis, that cocoon behind, and they wax and propylize over it. So the the wax itself starts getting thicker and sturdier every time there's a brood cycle. Fresh virgin wax that's never had brood raised in it does not have that sturdiness.
0: Oh, and that, that's what I was going to say is that if you've got older comb that's had generations of um, brood in there, you can pretty much do whatever it's actually hard to cut. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I you know, when you're doing any kind of removals and you have to cut through it, it gets to be sometimes really stiff. Uh, obviously, there's a middle ground there, and it's totally feasible to, I mean, in my experience, I had no problems doing it, but you have to start a lot gentler and then kind of pick up the speed. Then you have to flip them and making sure again you're going this the right uh way to spin it so that it flings all that um out to the, the sidewalls. But it is possible. Now the question is. Why are we doing this and is it really worth it?
1: That's right? what I was going to ask you. Yeah. You stole my question.
0: <laughs> well, I'm asking it to myself because that's definitely what I would say. uh What I wanted to talk about is basically you have, when you do it, cut comb, you're taking out the entire wax apparatus and all the honey. And it's actually a whole lot less work. And if you're selling your honey, it's actually twice as much money i mean those i think i've talked about it before those little squares like that they can sell for 45 dollars at your farmer's market if you're promoting it and marketing it properly
1: yeah side note though don't use the comb that is darker if you're doing cut comb that does need to be the virgin wax that's never had cocoons in it that darker stuff crush and strain lighter stuff cut it into cubes
0: (laughs) that's funny that you mentioned this okay so um this is actually not old cone this is darker honey
1: that's dark honey yeah so tilt it yeah. tilt it up where we can see the face of it too
0: it is dark yeah but it's not but dark- you can see
1: the wax though in that corner the wax is still a yellowish tan colored wax it's not that dark brown wax Right
0: there. Yeah. So, what happens is there's a couple of things happening here in this comb. You have, and for those of you who cannot see this, I'm going to describe it really quickly. There's a yellow looking wax. And in those cells, there's dark looking liquid. And at the midrib, I don't see any cocoons. So, this is only wax, really. And the honey is just simply darker. And the other thing that's happening is that cappings at the top of the honey is touching the liquid meaning there's no air underneath that capping and it naturally looks darker than if you had a bubble of air underneath that capping uh kind of like when you um add when some paper touches liquid it gets darker kind of a thing so
1: yeah one of the ways that you can kind of check on that too is when you pull that bar out and you're out in the apiary turn and face it towards the sun and let the sun hit the back of it and you can tell which cells actually have raised brood. You will see a distinctive pattern in there and a color change in the cell, but the light will illuminate the honey. So that's another way you can kind of cheat on that aspect.
0: And if you're doing horizontal beekeeping and, and even... To a certain extent with vertical, you kind of know that the outer edges is going to be not for brood, it's going to be for honey. So you're going to have a higher likelihood, even if you cannot tell really if there's been generations of brood reared in there and cocoons, you you know, especially in a horizontal configuration, you'll know that the back combs are all just honey. Um, once you hit the brood's nest that honey's at the top, but the rest is old, you know, cocoons. Even if at some point they, they, they you know, they've got, you know, some combs that you've moved away because it, you're trying to phase it out. That's the only thing I would mark it. Like it had brood in it on the top of the bar so that, you know, when it's pushed back for cycling out that old comb through harvesting, you know that it's got um, brood. I mean, the uh, cocoons in there, so you're not using it for um, uh, cut comb.
1: Yeah. Now you actually mentioned just then the cycling out. That's the other big question on should we be doing this or why are we doing this? If your colony is tiny, I can understand maybe wanting to preserve their comb. But at that same time, if the colony is tiny, you shouldn't be extracting anything from it anyway. And if the colony is huge and you're not extracting that comb, then you're not actually giving them the chance to regenerate and rejuvenate that wax and have a healthier colony By taking out the wax that is already overloaded with toxins and things like that
0: Mm -hmm. so you you kind of kind of strategize and push that uh, brood comb out on the edges and get them to backfill with honey and just kind of keep pushing it out and harvesting it now there's a question about uh, when you're using foundation the purpose is The stated purpose is to be able to give it back to the bees so you spin it really fast you get all the honey out and then you can give it back to the bees so they don't have to build back up um, all that wax in the grand scheme of things um, yes it does take a little bit of extra energy meaning um, nectar for them to rebuild wax but i think that's a trade-off that i'm willing to make and i've noticed it doesn't really impact harvesting uh, how much you harvest because it's a cleansing things Them having to use their wax um, glands to generate all that is actually a good thing for them. It it just helps with their health. So let's say you don't let them build that wax. You keep putting back that uh, foundation into the the colony because you're like, well, this way they'll make me more honey. You might actually inadvertently preventing them from being healthier. So yep. something to consider. Um, it's not just about me, 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 the, the big keeper. I want all the honey and I'm just gonna, you know, feed my bees and I'm gonna give them that foundation. There's trade-offs every time you do something, something to keep in mind, right?
1: Yeah. And just to preface this. The listener that wrote in and asked the questions did not insinuate that they were going to do any of these things. They were simply just asking about the video and was it possible. So the rest of it is us just giving you different scenarios and the pros and cons as to why maybe you should or should not do it. So just clarify, not insinuating anybody is going to no. be. But
0: <laughs> no, and and that's what we do every time, right? To clarify, yeah. we're just kind of get a starting point and then we go on and we mention all the things that maybe sometimes we don't think about mentioning otherwise in that matter that could impact your beekeeping practices and, and how mindful you are of the health of your colony uh, because there's always a trade-off, there's always unintended consequences that we need to keep in mind. We talk about that a lot. Now, the other a- aspect of that question, why do you would you wanna do that? You can extract that way, but again, This is not just all about the liquid honey. You can also make um, chunk honey, which is basically pieces of cut comb that are bathing in liquid honey or that cut comb. And that ratio of if you're selling anything, it's usually if you have a factor of one for liquid honey, then you have a factor of 1.5 for the chunk honey and a factor of two for the comb honey with a yeah. lot less work. No spinning, no cleaning the extractor, yeah. no waiting to do this. You just do this in your kitchen. The guy that was um, uncapping that comb on his uh, kitchen table, he could just cut it, put it in boxes, he's done.
1: Yeah. Right. Now the, the other part of that too, that's always really fun, then this is one of those, Interesting little like inside secrets from the beekeeper's point of view. If I give you a one quart jar of pure honey, Mm -hmm. you're getting a lot of honey. If yeah. I give you a one quart jar of cut comb honey that has the wax and the comb in there with honey around it, that wax is actually displacing honey yeah. and it's adding weight to it and you're going to pay way more, but ultimately get less actual liquid honey than you would have otherwise.
0: And on the flip side, the beekeeper will get more money for less, That's right.
1: less work yeah. and more money. So it's it's a win-win on that regard. <laughs>
0: That's um, why I on cut comb. That's why I have it on my...
1: That's right. Here's a straight up cut comb in the, in the container. So the other aspect of it too, is if you were to do a crush and strain, there's something visceral and somehow cathartic almost doing the crush and strain of the wax. So there's that aspect. But then there's the aspect of the wax itself. Once you've strained it and you've gone through and rinsed it, you can then use that wax as a resource. Maybe you want to play and experiment with lip balms or candles or salves, lotions, you name it, soaps. Or maybe you need that wax because you're going to bait a swarm trap or you're going to wax bars to help kind of give them a guide as to where to start. So all of that stuff can become a valuable resource and doesn't necessarily, it's still going to help the colony one way or the other or help the beekeeper in some regard. So all of it has a purpose and a use.
0: And you can sell it for a fortune. Uh, that's, that's true if you're um, uh, p- um profit oriented that, that actually is going to make you a lot more money than honey
1: yeah i sure. don't have time for that i will <laughs> happily sell you bulk wax and you can do whatever you want with it because i ain't got the time to do it myself so right. and and she's absolutely correct i think Les had said at one point that at certain points he actually made more money on wax than he did yeah. on honey and that's you can sure. Yeah. And you can sell it to people. Um, For instance, in Austin, I had a couple of uh, retail stores. There was a barber that would make their own beard bombs with it. And then there was another store that sold it in the raw individual one ounce pieces so that other people could buy it to use in their recipes to go through and make whatever they wanted. So I was happy to go through, do the initial rendering and straining, and then maybe do a second one to make it nice and kind of pure and then sell it to you in a big chunk or individual sizes and call it good.
0: (laughs) So let's talk about that because that's, I like to work smart, but not hard. Right. So to your point, that's a better market for your, for your stuff. And then you're not working as hard if you're rendering your wax in a specific way. So the question strain, there's a couple of things. You can do it manually or if it's older comb, you know what I found is that you can still do it. If you're using those um, uh, kitchen aid or, or home um, uh, kitchen robots, sausage, making things it has an infinity vice in it a
1: and meat grinder it, like a a, meat yeah
0: grinder, right? <laughs> put the, 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 the little holes that are at the end of it you make it wide open this is an invis, infinity vice so i i just kind of cut slices and i just put it in there and it crushes it all for me and that's, that's
1: hysterical yeah. i've seen um old fruit presses where people have taken the old wooden weighted fruit fruit presses And use that as a gravity crushing strain, Uh, but a grinder—that's that's that's impressive.
0: (laughs) I was always thinking, well, how you know? I mean, they've got those um, capping. whatever they've got the industrial versions of this but it yeah. cost a fortune i'm like i don't want to spend that much money what else can i do to have that infinite device? and that's what i came up with
1: i like that it's got basically like an auger inside there that is that is spiraling and grinding and shoving it forward and yeah doing
0: all the work for me and then i get my strainer with a paint strainer nylon bag a five gallon paint strainer bag that's basically um um, a really fine strainer where the wax and honey fall into and then drip into my, my, my yeah. container. Usually honey big, goes
1: out, wax stays in. Yep.
0: Yeah. And then I, when it's done draining for a little bit and it, I know there's nothing else, I pick that up. If I'm not ready to do anything because I don't have enough with it, I will put it in the freezer in the, in the container, obviously in a bucket. And then when I'm I have enough, I'll pull it out. I get two, three buckets of water and I wash it in there clean buckets, yep. and then get some of that honey back for my tea or whatever. But if you don't want to even bother, you just wash it first, first wash. Then you, you wring it a little bit, wash it again, two, three times. Now you have perfectly clean wax still in your bag that you can throw in your solo wax melter. Yep. Like I said, work smart, and not hard. We never rent, We never process wax and by boiling it or steaming it or anything like that. We throw it in the solar wax melter. The sun does it all for us. And it, it, you have like gorgeous wax. I have some somewhere. I should have brought it over. And it's got no debris, no bees, no cocoons. It's ready to sell.
1: Yep. There you go. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not big on working too hard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: In the Texas heat, it's, it's forgiven. That's excusable. But but the work, work smarter, not harder, though, that is kind of the whole point. That's actually where automation and things like that come into play, too, because if a company gets to the point where you were spending your entire day and your entire night bottling and labeling and doing all of this stuff and you can't keep up, that's where automation comes in or hiring some of the to do it for you, you know, depending on what the trade-off is going to be cost-wise, but that's where that type of automation comes in. And there is, unfortunately, there's, there's a weird territory in there where you get stuck. You can be just big enough that you almost need to do it, but not big enough that you can really afford it or justify it. And you've got to somehow make a leap over into that next area. And that can be a challenge and a trick in, in and of itself, but
0: well, and and it depends what your business model is. We're talking, you know, um, in this is our field where we're not we're no longer backyard beekeepers. But the point is that if you um you don't have to harvest honey, you can make more money on services, yep, right? oh yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, your business model can be anything, honestly you know it's what is your forte what is your expertise um you know what is your passion what do you enjoy doing and you can you can find an infinite number of ways to work that to your advantage for sure
0: yeah so but i like that video that that inspired me and that allows me to say well you can uh harvest honey from uh top bars and putting them back into the hive but why would you want to do that
1: yeah but why But why, 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 why are you doing this? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So, so there you go. There's a, there's another little, beekeeping chat tidbit of information for you to go through and think about and see if it applies to you. I know that we we were talking primarily about top bars today where you've got no foundation, no wire, no nothing. Um, it's not really the same concept as if you've got the Langstroth frame and things along those lines, but it's still, it's worth thinking about, you know, maybe if you've been thinking, I don't know if I want to do that, or, you know, it sucks that you got to get rid of this or something. It's still kind of, it gives you those points to go through and consider. So.
0: Well, and to your point, you could still do that with a langstroth on foundationless, right? You could still do the same thing and just process it out and 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 um extract it and put it back into the hive if you don't have if you have just natural wax. So
1: yep. the key to work- that too is go very slowly. Yeah. Just because yeah. you have an automatic timer turner on a electric (laughs) extractor doesn't mean it needs to go at 10 (laughs) if you're doing it with no foundation and no wire you might want to stop about three or four and don't go past that at all
0: (laughs) start very slow and then just very progressively increase the speed and then turn it a few times because you still have the mass of the honey on the other side until you have extracted the other side and just remember that spinning orientation if you're doing tangential matters it does as well in the radial you have to put that bar in that top uh of your frame the
1: sidewall side. yes yeah. yep Chan- tangential versus radial there's something for you to look up in case you're not sure what we're talking about one-sided pull it out flip it over do it again versus does both sides at the same time
0: <laughs> that's right
1: so anywho we hope that you all enjoyed hope you got a little bit of something to think about or in this case something to chew on You know, like beeswax. (laughs) Awesome. All right, everybody. Hope you had a great week. We look forward to talking to you again next week. But as always, be good
0: and be mindful. (laughs) Bye bye. Bye.
1: This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons
0: like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.